No, you are. You're really similar to a rock star. <laughs> the only difference is the hair and the talent. The talent and the lack of leather pants. Right. Those, that Which I don't do not. I can honestly say I do not own a pair of leather pants. Yeah, I think pants. that's a good thing to be able to say. <laughs> Podcast. This is Todd Conklin. Thanks for being a part of the podcast. It is so good to have you on board today. And I mean it. I'm not even lying. I mean it. I mean it. I mean it. I mean it. Let's see. Today's going to be an exciting day because today we have much to talk about. How's the new year treating you? Good? Is it, is it grand? I've got um, very little complaints. I had a great vacation, first of the year. And then... Um, kind of right back at it and doing lots of work and traveling a lot too much, probably enough, more than enough, a little more than enough. There we go. I don't know. Don't hold me these claims I made last year. I'm just terrible at this, but I'm happy and the world's good and everybody's healthy. So um, I guess that's a 99.8763% of the battle as far as we know it. So today's a great day for a podcast, I think, because today is a really good get. Um, I'm so pleased to have on board today um, Dave Payne, who's the uh, Corporate Vice President of Safety and Health um, at Chevron. And he's going to talk to us a little bit about leadership and safety. And it is a great conversation. We really had a good time. It was, a, it was, a great, it was really fun to sit down and talk with him. Because usually um, guys like that are so busy and, and happening and popping. But Dave's, Dave's always got time to actually make the world a safer place. There's no question about that. And I appreciate that in him tremendously. So let's see. What do I have to tell you? Well, I do have to tell you that in um, May, is it May? Let me look really quickly. I've got a, I'm pretty fancy. You know, I carry a small computer with me in my pocket here. Let me see if I can open this up and, and figure out what's going on in May. I think it's going to be May. Yes, it is May. It is May in May on the 7th and 8th of May. God, that took me a long time. Uh, Nip and Arnold and I are having a workshop in Las Vegas on accident investigation theory. And then we're going to do a whole workshop on the Costa Concordia because Nippon's an expert on the Costa Concordia. So mark that down in your calendars. That's one to think of. And I know Vegas is controversial, but uh, it's a pretty good place to do it. And that, that one we're just now, Brent and I are just now working out the details on that to get it all set up. So if you can go to that, it would be great to have you. And I promise you it's a really good day. The workshop on Costa Concordia is amazing. And then we'll just kind of pepper it with a... Uh, with a nice and sweet little workshop around accident investigation theory um, for uh, new safety, which is a really great, fun way to spend a day. You'll have a good time. So that's coming up. Then I think Bob's having a hop workshop in Chattanooga that same week. So, uh, you know, we'll be busy. And I'll tell you more about details on that one as they come through, but that one's coming out as well. And then what else do we got going on? Um, oh, there's probably other stuff. I just can't think what it is. I'll, I'll think of it and get it to you in due time for sure. But I hope to get to see most of you this year. That would be great. I mean, that would be a really um, good way to spend time. 
And we'd have a lot of fun, I'm sure of that. So that's all that matters, right? There we go. I can't seem to get it together to really kick off the New Year's um, right. So I'm going to work on that. Um, that's going to be my goal really from now on is to sort of head towards the, the right direction. But I'm, I'm, it's going to be a great year. There's no question about that. And I have nothing but exciting news about upcoming podcasts. So the podcast is just rocking along. It's kind of fun now because now there's a whole bunch of them, um, a whole bunch of them, which uh, is interesting. If you watched Saturday Night Live a couple weeks ago, uh, the opening where they uh, went to hell and talked to the devil, and the devil had a podcast, and somebody said, oh, you have a podcast? And the devil said, I invented them. That is funny. That is really funny, actually, and part of, a, part of, part of the way. Because uh, I read that there are 700,000 podcasts that start a week. That is a lot of podcasts. I think that's what it said. And I can't remember. The details like that are really hard to get to. Let me quit yammering on and, and get to... Uh, the discussion with Dave Payne. I think that's probably worth more. And if I have more stuff to tell you, I can tell you at the end. But I want you to take a, a few minutes and just listen um, to, to this podcast and, and kind of enjoy uh, what Dave's got to say. He's going to talk about sort of how he got into the business, his career, and then he's going to talk about leadership. Pay extra special attention to the leadership. Special thanks to Dave Payne and to the Chevron guys. I really appreciate um, allowing this to happen. It's really good. I think I mostly appreciate it because I think you're really going to like the podcast. And that, my friends, that is worthwhile. So without any further ado, here is the, uh, the friend of the pod, Dave Payne, to talk to, about, talk to you and me. Uh, we're all going to be there about safety. Here we go. Okay, so I'm Dave Payne. I'm the Vice President of Health, Environment, and Safety for Chevron. Um, I have been in the oil and gas industry for 38 years. Um, I uh, spent most of my time in drilling and completions. I started in California, worked around the world. I have seen virtually every kind of thing a person can do themselves um, and cause an accident. And my mission in life is to prevent people from walking off of our locations um, injured or not walking off at all. So. Why safety? Why why move from drilling and completion to safety? So um, back in the um, early 90s, I actually was on a platform in, in, in the Santa Barbara Channel when a 23-year-old roughneck walked underneath a piece of equipment that we were picking up when the sling broke and landed on him. Uh, he was about, I don't know, 20 feet from me when it happened. I watched it happen, and I gave wow. the guy CPR for pretty close to an hour from the, the – Sometime after the incident happened, but all the way into the into the to the hospital, and he didn't recover. And um, I remember the doctor coming out after you know we turned him over to the doctors when the ambulance dropped him, and we're sitting out there in my in my coveralls and work boots, and and uh, doctor comes out and he says, you know, uh, he said he's gone. He said, but there's nothing you could do. And I thought to myself, well, you know, there might not have been anything we could do that time, but damn it, we ought to be able to do something in it yeah. going forward. And so I spent my whole career trying to to um, to find ways to keep people from getting hurt and killed. And, you know, it, it was time for me to move on from the job I was in and drilling and completions and the opportunity to make a difference in the HES space. I, was, uh, I had to embrace it. And so. it's been a really good fit. You, you happy? I mean, it seems like no, a good place for you. Yeah, I'm, I'm really happy. It's, uh, you know, I, I'm – 
I, I spent a lot of time offshore or off, offshore onshore. I spent a lot of time on rigs with people who are really passionate about the work that they do. Um, and I saw a lot of times, you know, the guys who were getting hurt didn't really have a voice. And so the opportunity to really bring that to, to bear in my new role and create a voice for the workers, um, of, put an end to punishment for safety violations and, and, and kind of some of the old school ways that we used to, to deal with safety. It's, it's a big opportunity. And, and I think we're doing it on an industrial scale at Chevron. Oh, no question about it. How do you define safety? What, what, what do you think of when you think of safety? Well, I mean, it's, it, it sounds like a saying, but it kind of is, but safety is not the absence of incidents. It's the presence of safeguards. And so safety is an outcome. Um, it's one of the things that I, uh, I'm really trying to get people to focus on. Safety is not an activity. Safety is, is, is what we get when we do things the right way. And um, I've tried to get away from talking about, you know, safety and talk about perfect execution. And, and when we do work the right way, um, we get not only do we get safe outcomes, but we also get better business outcomes. Yeah. And so yeah. safety and business outcomes, they, they really go hand in hand. That's, that's a, you know, people talk about it all the time, but I'm not sure they always really believe it. Yeah, but we can show it virtually everywhere. We what operate. do you What do you mean when you say the right way? I find that curious because the world's constantly changing and risk is super dynamic. You know that. I mean, you come from that world. What does the right way mean? What does that mean? <laughs> when When I say the right way, there's a there's a million right ways to do any just about right. any task, right? And so when you do it the right way, you're basically doing what you said you were going to do, and and it starts with actually saying what you're going to do because oftentimes we start working we really don't know what we're about you know you show up you got a task and you're going to go do something but nobody really talks about how actually you're going to do the work so if you can articulate hey this is how we're going to do the work these are the outcomes that we're looking for this this is what i'm going to do this is what you're going to do we go and then we go execute that the way we said we would to me that's the right way tell me about chevron's journey i mean you've been a part of it a long time yeah, so Chevron um, has been on the safety journey as long as anybody, right? The company's been around well over 100 years, and there's actually documents that you can pull out of our archives from back in the 20s and 30s that talk about safety. And it's kind of interesting. Some of the terms yeah. are the same. And, you know, you have to kind of interpret, you know, don't do stupid stuff is kind of in there. And it's kind of that still applies today. Right. Yeah, but, yeah. Um, you know, 15 or 20 years ago, we were kind of a laggard from our peers as far as safety performance. And, and uh, the CEO at the time, Dave O'Reilly, I guess, had just had about enough of uh, the large number of fatalities. And he really put his foot down and said, I, I don't want to be the head of a company that has this kind of safety record. He um, gathered up a group of folks that, uh, you know, created the first OEMS. They, uh, they created the tenants of operation. Um, they really built the, the base that's, that we've been building on for the last 15 years. But what I find um, most encouraging and, I, and I'm most proud of in this whole thing is that through the journey, we never said we had the answer. We made a lot of progress. We made progress incrementally every year, and, and we were always looking for, the, for what that next step was going to be. We had enough humility to know that we didn't know everything and that the first answer we came up with wasn't going to be the answer to everything. So it's been an interesting journey, and, and I think the, the, the move into human performance and this recognition that it, it, it's, not the, uh, it's not the workers' fault, it's not about fixing workers. We all spend an enormous amount of time trying to fix workers. Um, getting away from that, is, is, as I, I think, has been the next big step, and I think it's what's going to get us to the, the challenge we gave ourselves, which we talk about zero is attainable, was an aspirational goal back in a day when we were having 
really 20 to 30 fatalities a year, five, 600 days away from work cases a year. Um, and, and when we said zero is attainable, we really were talking about all accidents and, and we kind of focused that into fatalities and life-changing events is really where we want to get to at zero. We know that we're not going to, all accidents aren't going to go away, but um, I, I think we're going to get there. I think we're, we're going to get there in the next two to three years. How do you think you'll get there? I mean, because I'm, I'm super interested in the efforts you guys have around fatalities, the, the serious events, fatality prevention. That's real. I mean, you guys lead the world in, in most cases in the way you manage safety and the way safety happens in Chevron. So I think there's a, there's a couple of components of it. It's not a simple thing. Um, I think number one I will say is that um, the line owns outcomes in, in Chevron. This is not an HES role. It is the line owns safety. They own safety outcomes. Um, we actually audit uh, leadership. When we go into a business unit and audit, we don't just audit, you know, are you doing your process safety the way you're supposed to be doing it? Are you doing your managing safe work stuff the way you're supposed to be doing it? We audit safety leadership and leadership expectations, and I think that is a, is a good place to start, and I think it's what it's allowed us to get where we are. The other things that we're doing is really getting focused on safeguards, trying to understand how we build resilient systems with a recognition that people make mistakes, and we know people are going to make mistakes. And so rather than hold them accountable and try and fix the person, we want to fix the system in a way that, it's, uh, that it, uh, it will allow them to be human. What is it that got you guys fixated on safeguard management so early? Because you really were early to the ball on that. I mean, yeah. I, I wish I had, a, I don't know what the answer is. Yeah, if, I, I mean, if I knew what really caused us to get fixated on that, I think I would, um, I think I would be able to sell that around the, the rest of the industry. Yeah. But I, but I will say this, I, I suspect it, it probably had to do with a, a specific incident or two, which probably for the lawyers would not appreciate it yeah. if, I, if I mentioned them in detail. But, you know, we had, we, we've had a, some catastrophic incidents where people lost their lives. And I, I think there was a, a recognition during at least one of them that, you know, hey, we've had this before. We've tried to fix people before and it really isn't working. So maybe we ought to look at this from a different perspective and try to build a, a system that's going to allow um, people to make mistakes. But uh, I think the other thing that we've really started to do well is look outside our industry and look at other industries and look at how other people are doing things. There's some people doing some amazing things, and they've been doing it for a really long time. Um, you know, we, we after Macondo, I personally took a team down to, um, to Kings Bay, Georgia, to visit a submarine base to understand how the, the, the uh, nuclear Navy runs their business and, and was fascinated by some of the things I saw and the level of discipline that they have that far exceeds anything that anybody does in oil and gas. And we took away some of those learnings. We applied those um, and really really focused on resilient systems and, and being able to, to convince people uh, or create, a, I shouldn't say convince people, but, but create a, a situation where people could be successful. Interesting story from Kings Bay, and I wish I could remember the admiral's name, but he, an admiral, the admiral of the base down there actually came and spent some time with wow, us. Wow, that's impressive. It, well, he gave us half a day. It really was impressive. What was more impressive is that he had actually gone and done his homework on Chevron, and he'd been to our website and seen some of our stuff. And at the time on our website, there was a, um, there was a, a, a tagline that said, every task the right way every time. And he, he really kind of tore us up on that. He was really not happy with that. And he, he explained to us that that wasn't possible and that, that people were people made mistakes and, and th things were not going to always go the way you wanted them to. And so if you assume that you're going to get every task the right way every time, you're going to fail. And it really got us 
kind of stepped back and thinking, wow, really? I had no idea. So he pushed back on that. Oh, he did. And he was, I mean, he wasn't just like, you know, it wasn't just like you and me talking right now going, hey, you probably shouldn't do this. He was really, really emotional about it. and, And it really got our attention. Wow. Wow, that's remarkable. What's it like to manage safety for an organization this large? I mean, that, that's got to be remarkable. Do you think of it that way? Maybe you don't no. think of it that no, way. No, I was just going to say, I don't think about it as managing safety at all. I think, um, I think it's, it's coaching and, and, and leading and, and helping to get people to think a different way. It's, it, it, it's prodding. It's, it's a lot of different things, but it's not managing. Um, I really do think it's about enrolling the people that do the work, the people that really have skin in the game, the ones that are closest to where the incidents happen, whether they be a refinery manager who's going to be held accountable for what happens in his facility, or it's the guy who's most likely to get hurt because he's the guy who donned up in, in all the gear to do a confined space entry. Engaging those folks to really be thinking about what's important to be focusing on the, the safeguards that are, they're going to protect them and making sure we're all thinking about how we execute the work in a way that really delivers the outcomes we're looking for every time. And, and some of those outcomes just happen to be not hurting people and not getting people well, killed. So talk about that because I think that's really interesting. One of the things Chevron does, which I think is remarkably clever, is you call your work planning and execution program managing safe work. Right. How important is that planning, preparation, that the management systems around safe work? So, so it's so important that I had a. I used to have a, a piece of paper taped to my, to the wall outside my office when I was in my last job, that said "Safety First." Right? You've all seen those signs everywhere: "Safety First, Safety First. And so I had the safety crossed out in a red pen, and I wrote "Planning" over it. And I really wanted to get people to think about: it's not safety first; it's planning first. You do the planning well, and safety is the outcome. And so when we plan well. We deliver safe outcomes. And I think one of the things that I'm seeing now in industry is a lot of a proliferation of things that close the gaps in the planning process without actually admitting that maybe there's a flaw in the planning process. There's lots of little, little tools and gadgets that we created. Chevron has the start work checks, which has been a really useful tool and really powerful. But it's, it's put in place to address gaps in the planning process. Right. And so I think that we really need to step back and, 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 and really look hard at our planning process. You know, we have job safety analysis that we do on, on all of our jobs. We have to do a JSA. And the JSAs, to my, in my opinion, have, in a lot of cases, have become a safety activity. Right. And safety is not an activity. Safety is right. an outcome. Right. And we, but when you create safety activities – and you sit in a, you know, in a pre-tower meeting and you listen to guys talk about stuff and they'll go, okay, guys, what hazards are we going to face today? And they just start rattling off the, the usual suspects, pinch points, overhead loads, you know, um, crushing, that kind of stuff. You, you say, okay, are they really talking about the work? Are they really planning their work for the day? Or are they just going through an exercise because it's become a routine, it's their ritual before they start work? And it's probably not going to have a big impact on what they do today. So the the one question I'd ask you is that plans have a really difficult time planning for unexpected events. So planning's vital. It's everything. And we know when we plan high-risk work, we're better at it. I mean, we just know we are. How do you guys think about variability and, and unexpected occurrences and dynamic risks, those things that don't fit neatly into the plan equation but are super important to what you guys do? Yeah, so I think there's a an opportunity to talk to people before they start work about recognizing change we always talk about stop work but we don't really talk about stop work 
in a, in a in a really systematic way before we start jobs. So any job you do is going to change. We all know that. I don't care how simple it is. It could be as simple as pulling two screws out of the wall or, or doing a big dynamic lift on an on a offshore platform. Um, something's going to change in that, in, that, in that activity. And I think there's an opportunity to have a conversation up front about when are you going to execute stop at work? What could be the things that would cause you to stop and, and, and redirect and rethink? And I think one thing I think we do a really, really good job in things that are obviously high risk I actually don't lose a lot of sleep over right. really big high risk. I understand because, that. Yeah, you know, we talked about this earlier today. Where, you know, if 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 we have something that's really big and gnarly, we're probably not going to start it on Friday. We'll probably wait till Tuesday. We'll probably you know do yeah. We'll do it the right way. Where I get nervous is when we talk about low risk work, and most of our fatalities, not just us, but uh, across the industry, most of our fatalities are happening in what people would call low risk or routine work. Right. I don't even like calling it low risk work anymore because I think it sends a message that we don't have to worry about it. If there's a human being involved, there's a potential for a fatality. Human beings are spectacularly good at finding new and interesting ways to get themselves killed. Yes. And so, I mean, it's a, um, it's, there's an opportunity for us to actually get people to step back, talk about exactly what they're going to do for the day, what is, what's the work I'm going to execute, and then answer those questions which are, what could get me killed today and walk through that? And, and, you know, I get some pushback on that and go, well, we don't want to be scaring people. But, you know, at the end of the day, if you're not a little bit nervous when you go out to work, you're probably putting yourself at risk. Well, I actually think <clears throat> that question, you know, when this system fails, because we don't have perfect people, don't have perfect processes, don't have perfect conditions. When it fails, what will kill you right. is really an important question, not because it breeds fear but because it introduces the opportunity to talk about safeguards. Because right. the, the, the logical answer is when it happens, what do we count on for recovery? And that notion of resilience and recovery, that's really going to be an important part of how I think oil and gas is going to change. I, I'd agree with that. And I think the more you, the, the worker actually understands what the potential risks are, which safeguards are in place, which safeguards are important, the more confidence they can have that they're going to be able to execute that work safely. And it's, and it's a different confidence level than just having the overconfidence of ignorance. Right. And so I really believe that, that giving more information, actually having deeper conversations about, you know, what are the really bad failures that could happen, um, um, give, the, give that, the, the worker, the person who's most at risk, the opportunity to, to really participate. So what do you know now that you wish you would have known 20 years ago? What hints do you have for the thousands of safety people just like us that listen to this podcast? Because there's a whole bunch of people that'll listen. It's well, weird. I don't know why, but they do. <laughs> uh, it might have to do with it, that, that it's interesting and entertaining, and it actually helps people get safer. But um, the, the one thing I wish I would have known is, is, is this move away from, from punitive action. I, I really wish that I would have known 20 years ago that – that being punitive is not going to move the needle. Um, I, I actually tried to implement a set of golden rules when I was a drilling engineer or drilling manager, sorry, in Thailand. Um, you know, I, I was convinced that, hey, if we had these golden rules out here and we will fire people for their own protection, I was all bought in. The good news is, the you know, the union wasn't having any of it, and so we, we never did implement them. But I was way off base. Um, I, I, I wish I'd have understood the value of bringing in the work, the, the actual workers who do the work, getting them engaged in conversations about, about how things get done. Um, the, the expertise in, in how to drive safe work doesn't sit 
behind a desk. It, it, it sits out where the work gets done. What was it you think that, that caused you to think differently about that? I think there was a whole, there was a whole series of things. First off, we you know we weren't having as much success as we wanted right. <clears throat> with the um, the things that we were deploying, and and I actually got some feedback while I was in Thailand. I spent a lot of time on the rigs while I was there. I go out and ask guys, hey, how are things going? And and one thing about people on drilling rigs, they ain't, they're not shy about telling you what they think. They'll call a duck a <clears throat> duck. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah, yeah, and if it's an ugly duck, they'll tell you it's an <laughs> ugly duck. And uh, they they gave me a pretty good earful about hey you know you were you you're trying to change too much too fast you're not listening to us these things aren't helping us you know we're we're just ticking boxes to make you happy and I really stepped back and realized I might be missing the boat here yeah for sure I mean and that's that that humility I don't know what to call it other than I, I think humility that the the belief that wow that group of people who do the work really are in a position where they probably know more than I know. Right. That's, that's actually, well, it's noteworthy. I mean, I, it doesn't sound hard when you talk about it, but doing it, I think, is kind of difficult. I mean. I think you have to have humility to be successful in this kind of work. Yeah. I think leadership itself demands humility and generosity, I think. Those are the two things that I think, when I think of Chevron, I think of how, <laughs> how generous you guys are. I mean, you're, you're generous with your safety information. You're, you're, you're truly, absolutely committed to making the industry safer, right? I mean, th- there's just no question about that. And, and that, I think that shows through. Well, safety is not proprietary. Yeah, we and we firmly be. believe that should not be. We should be willing to share any best practices. It is not a, it's not a differentiator between companies. I'm really proud of, proud of where Chevron is today. Um, I'm proud of our leading position but I really wish that everybody in every industry, not just in oil and gas, could get where exactly where we are and we could all go together to the place we're all trying to get to. Yeah. Because any fatality, any life-changing event, whether it happens on our job or on somebody else's job, it, it's, it, it breaks my heart. God, what a beautiful thought. That's, that's, that's wonderful. How important is leadership? Well, leadership is absolutely critical. How do you think about leadership? Because you're a remarkably <clears throat> famous within your company as a leader because you, you, you're good at leading. I mean, people like that. So, so, and I don't even want anything from you. I'm not, I'm not even trying to butter you up. <laughs> well, I mean, it, it, I think it starts with how I define leadership. Leadership is creating the opportunity for other people to be successful. It's not about telling people where to go. It's not about saying, hey, you know, we're going to take this hill and you guys all get behind me and let's go. Um, some people view that view leadership in that, that, that context, and that's fine. But for me, it's about creating opportunities for other people to be successful. And, and you got to understand the definition of what success looks like and all that, and it's always good to have a good aligned um, understanding of what that is so you're all kind of going in the same direction. But if you create opportunities for other people and then let them go do, the th- do their thing, man, it makes you look good, so why the hell not do it, right? Yeah, I agree. But, uh, you know, it, it really makes them – feel rewarded and they'll they'll do just about anything to to help you be successful and 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 then they're going to be successful too you know i one of the things that i preach to people just starting out in industry is you know don't be personally ambitious be ambitious for your team if you make your team successful the rest of it comes easy any last hints any final words? Anything you want to share with the world? Well, <laughs> so I'll, I'll, what I'll share is my biggest failure in, in my whole career, and it's still something I work on today, is I am the worst listener on the planet. 
And if you don't believe me, just ask my wife. She'll tell you. <laughs> and, and I really struggle with that. And, and the, the, the better I've got at listening, the more successful I've been. And the more we can listen to the people that are closest to the work, the more opportunities we can give them to tell us what's really going on, the more we can build trust with those folks, uh, the more likely it is that we're going to get the outcomes we're looking for. So that was Dave Payne. What do you think? Yeah, he's someone you want to meet for sure. And he's completely approachable. So that's not a problem. If you get a chance, um, go up and talk to him. Tell him you heard it on the podcast and, and you wanted to give him some feedback or something. What do you think about the conversation, though? I mean, it's he covered a lot of ground, a lot of territory. He He's a real thinker. And, and I'm impressed by the level of commitment he has to actually creating an environment where highly complex work can happen in high risk situations with great stability and reliability. And he talks about it. And there's things in there that, that I think are interesting and, and would warrant lots longer conversation. But to me, the thing that stuck, the one that I, I I've thought about and thought about is his leadership value that says his job is to make other people successful. Oh, but Oh, did I, I wish other leaders would listen to that because that it seems so obvious on the surface and it is so incredibly effective, but not many leaders do it. And I don't really know why they should. I mean, there's really no reason not to, but um, Dave, I think really helped us understand that special. Thanks again for being a part of the podcast. That was really a nice way to spend today. And it was fun for you guys. I mean, I don't want to, I don't want to put ideas in your head, but, that had to be kind of fun. I mean, a little bit at least, right? So that's the podcast for today. Um, learn something new every single day. Bet you did today. Have as much fun as you possibly can. And for goodness sakes, you guys, be safe. <laughs>